Hello, Lost Boys of Hannibal fans. This is your co-host, Frankie. We wanted you guys to know that we appreciate everything that you do for us in the community. We would also like you to know that we've reached over 1,000 downloads with just seven episodes, and more episodes are coming. Today's episode is a bonus episode. Chris will be reading from some of these amazing archives that he found. Of course, I'm still going to open the airwaves with a major song from 1967, and that'll go into Chris's episode. But some of you are still thinking, aren't you guys prepared? Why don't you have episode 8 for us? Don't you know we're out here on a limb? Well, the reason is, is because me and Chris are actually going to be in Hannibal and Quincy on Tuesday doing a radio show. More about that in a minute. On Wednesday, everything will return back to normal. And you, once again, can be engulfed in the story of the three missing boys. So, if you're in the Quincy Hannibal area, we will be on the Mary Griffith Show on WTAD Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. to talk about the podcast and our future efforts with the case. You can also listen on their website at www.wtad.com. Thanks again, guys. This is so much fun doing a podcast with your friends. And we also just want to thank Shift Films. Shift Films is a proud producer of the Lost Boys of Hannibal. They have a huge documentary coming out that's all about the Lemp family. That premieres on March 19th, 2020. Tickets are still available as they've opened up three more theaters. You see, the premiere sold out, and they're wanting more people to watch the story of Elsa Lemp and her husband, Thomas H. Wright. Was it murder or was it suicide? You decide in this feature-length documentary. The film, Lemp's Last Rite, will premiere at Chase Park Plaza Cinemas. That's right, right in the heart of Central West End. In fact, across the street from where Elsa used to live, and where her brothers, Edwin and Billy, had residences. Please enjoy this film. You can find all ticket information at www.shiftfilms.net. We'd also like to thank Podcast Mo and Podbelly Networks for putting our show out there and opening it up to more people to listen. This helps us greatly. Please follow those networks at podbelly.com and podcastmo.com. Lastly, we would just like to give a shout out to the best fitting jeans. That's mugsyjeans.com. Mugsy Jeans offers you the fit and the style that you need. Whether you're a slimbo or a jumbo, their jeans fit perfectly. In fact, if you ever meet me, if I'm walking around Hannibal or Quincy, I'll be wearing my Mugsy Jeans. Check out mugsyjeans.com. The best fitting jeans ever. If not, you can send them back. That's all our announcements for now. So I guess I should just play disc jockey and get Chris going with the show. Welcome, listeners. Back in 1967, this song hit the airwaves, and it was quite splendid. So put your radios up and listen to the sounds of 1967, followed by Chris Ketter's request and dedication. Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down In this, our first bonus episode of The Lost Boys of Hannibal, we dig into the archives and read you an article from the Hannibal Courier Post, dated May 28, 2012. 
As you know, we have based most of our podcast from the William Karras Report that was released late in 1967. In our bonus episodes, we'll take a look at the news stories and interviews that differ from Karras' original report. Once you've listened to this bonus episode, head to the Lost Boys of Hannibal discussion page on Facebook and give us your thoughts. An article from the Hannibal Courier Post on May 28, 2012, titled A Portion of Highway 79 in Hannibal Could Be the Final Resting Place of Three Missing Boys. Motorists are always making their way along Route 79 and its origin along the calm banks of Hannibal, and for many it's just a daily routine. Yet there is a mystery on a portion of this roadway that has yet to be solved, a mystery as cold as a brisk Midwest winter. Some of the drivers may not know it, but a portion of Route 79 in Hannibal could be the final resting place of three missing boys. Missouri Route 79 is a beautiful roadway cutting through the state's eastern hills and tiny subtle town. It slithers and curves through the land just like the mighty Mississippi River. Adjacent to the deep, muddy waters, it's the perfect route for the country's Great River Road. You can take it all the way down to New Orleans if you wanted to, and in Missouri, it's quite picturesque for travelers making their way between the northeastern portion of the Show Me State and the greater St. Louis metropolitan area. A normal day life in Hannibal was as it is today, relaxed. The sun shined brightly in the blue sky and the temperature was very pleasant. The perfect weather for being outside. For Billy and Joey Hogue, it was more than perfect because they had plans after school to go and do what they did best, exploring. Hannibal's south side sits at the base of many high hills, and within those hills are caves. Many, many caves, connected in one way or another. For two young explorers and the rest of the Southside friends, exploring the caves was something everyone did. They were so adventurous, remembers Dee Dee Hogue, the boy's older sister. Billy, I'd say, was a little bit more mischievous than Joey. Joey was a little more serious. He was into astrology and he was more grounded. Billy was a little stinker. He just had that red hair and those blue eyes and those freckles. He was an instigator, but not in a bad way. The Hogues were a big family of 11 children and were known around town. They owned Hogues Tavern, a popular restaurant along Hannibal's historic Main Street. It was a Tuesday night when Billy and Joey came back home covered in mud. A new Route 79 was being constructed, and the deep holes dug into the hillside along the roads that lead into Lover's Leap and the Riverside Cemetery had revealed a maze of passageways that led into the caves. The Hogue brothers did some exploring, but were sure to be back home when expected. Dee Dee recalls her mother, Helen Hogue, scolding the boys to wash their clothes and stay away from the construction zone they were in. Unexplored caves or not, she did not want her children being somewhere they shouldn't. But boys will be boys. Billy and Joey were making plans to go caving, and they recruited some of their friends at 80 Stoll Elementary School the next day. It was Wednesday, May 10, 1967. Greg Henderson was one of the neighborhood boys invited to come along. He and Billy were close friends. Went to school, seen Billy, and he said, We're going caving tonight, Henderson said. I went home and planned on going. I walked outside and the girls were jumping rope. There were seven girls on my street and I was the only guy. I'm doing that and I get ready to go and I don't even get 50 feet from my house and Grandma hollered, Supper's ready. 
The anticipated cave exploration would have waited for another time. Henderson, along with Billy and other neighborhood boys, had royal ambassador meetings at the local church Wednesday night, and there wasn't enough time to do both. Meanwhile, at the Hogue House on Fulton Avenue, Dee Dee was waiting to find out if she had to work. Mom and Dad left to go over to Bueller's Market to get some meat. Tim, Dee Dee's younger brother by one year, was getting off the bus. Before Mom left, she hollered at Tim. She said, keep an eye on the boys because of what they had done the night before. Dee Dee said, Joey and Billy came home from school. They were there in the house, and Joey went through the hallway. He had on a t-shirt and jeans. Dee Dee and Billy crossed paths in the house, and she asked, where are you going? Just outside, Billy replied. Don't leave the yard, she told him. Being restricted to the yard was the boy's punishment. When their parents returned home and asked where they were, Dee Dee had no idea. She also didn't know where Tim was. He eventually showed and couldn't account for his younger brothers, so Helen sent him and Dee Dee out in the neighborhood to find them. Tim took off one way, and I took off the other, Dee Dee said. We hollered and yelled. Billy and Joey were nowhere to be found. Tim came back after doing a quick cave search of his own. Perhaps his brothers were wandering in unknown area underground. Tim went in there to a certain degree, and once he got in there, there were so many mazes, Dee Dee said. Tim told his mother to call the Mark Twain Emergency Squad, and she did. Over at the church, the Royal Ambassadors were meeting. Henderson found it odd that Billy wasn't there. We had a little bit of a meeting and went outside for some odd reason, and that's when we found out, Henderson said. The Hogue brothers were missing. As it turned out, another neighborhood boy was missing too. Craig Dow lived over on Union Street. Craig Dow, he was an acquaintance, Henderson said. I don't think he was really good friends with Joey, but he wasn't no big friend of Billy and I. I can tell you that. What I don't even get is why he was even with them. I never could understand that. Anyone's guess is as good as the next as to why Dow tagged along, but no one really knows why. Everyone knew everyone on the south side of Hannibal, and when the Hogue brothers decided to go caving, Dal probably just happened to be near and joined them. Nonetheless, this tight-knit community came together to find the Lost Boys, but what quickly began as a neighborhood search expanded to a nationwide effort. All these cavers came from Washington, D.C. and California, Virginia, Mississippi. People came pouring in to look for them, Dee Dee said. Every restaurant in town made food for my family and the cavers. Our house was so full of cavemen coming in and out of town. People took off work and some of them still got paid. They found out the south side is nothing but a maze of caves cleared to Park Avenue, Valley Street. The caves all connect one way or another. One of the popular Southside caves at the time, Murphy's Cave, was one of the first places rescuers tried to look. The opening was between the ended southbound lanes of the nearby viaduct, the start of Bird Street, and Walnut Street. Henderson was 11 at the time and was even questioned by authorities in a room of lawyers. They just kept asking, where do you think they are? Where do you think they are? Henderson, now 56, said, I don't know if it was the first day or the second day, but I was having dreams and everything about Billy and Joey. They were just saying, help, help, help. I've been living with that all my life. The young cave dweller told search leaders where they should be looking. They wouldn't believe me until somebody stepped forward and sort of said, he's right, because I saw them. Bill Dexheimer said that he had seen... I don't know if he saw Craig, but he saw Billy and Joey. I can speak for him, but he saw them walking up toward the highway, Henderson said. They finally moved from Murphy's Cave down where Billy and I had been in. 
We had a ladder, a homemade ladder we made. It dropped down and we got in there. That's the way you got in. At the Hogue House, there was a variety of emotions. They were always home at 9 o'clock, Dee Dee said. When that time hit the first night is when she really started to become unglued. Then at 10 o'clock, I was an absolute wreck because it was on TV on the news. Dee Dee, who was 16 in 1967, began losing sleep and barely ate as the search for her brothers went on. I thought, they're not eating, I'm not eating, she said. They're not sleeping, I'm not sleeping till they get home. That's all there is to it. The weeks and weeks of searching turned up absolutely nothing. The Hogue family was hoping and hoping for a sign of something positive in search efforts, but nothing ever came to light. Henderson believes there were some questionable things going on behind the scenes. I know guys who went looking for them and guys who would go in far enough and sit down and wait for a while. He said, I don't think they felt like doing it. Henderson also mentioned a few theories as well. He said the mayor at the time was aware the machines used in the search for the three boys could go as deep as 39 feet, but instead the mayor told searchers not to go any more further than 37 feet. I can tell you for a fact why they did it. I was 11 years old and I heard this was happening, Henderson said. I don't think he wanted to find them. If they had, what would have happened? What would have been the ramifications? I don't think a lot of that was made public. Henderson added there more than likely would have been lawsuits against the construction company building the roadway, the city of Hannibal, and the state of Missouri. After a long search, the conclusion was reached. However, no one is for certain. The boys were exploring, and the walls of the cave collapsed and trapped them. Gone, but not forgotten. The unknown status of her two boys changed Helen Hogue forever. She stayed up every night waiting for my brothers to come home. Every night. Dee Dee said when she found out she was going to pass, it was just a matter of time. She said, I sure wish I would find out something before I died. And I said, Mom, maybe you'll just have to find out on the other side if they are there. Dee Dee herself still struggles with her brother's disappearance despite 45 years passing by. You really don't ever get over it, or I haven't totally. I really have a hard time dealing with it. Times just go on and on and on, and you pray, you try to get an answer. I've been to psychiatrists, neurologists, counselors. I'm having a big time still struggling with it. My kids can't understand it, and I can't understand it, other than we all think and feel different, Dee Dee said. I've got to have closure. We haven't found a thing. We don't know where they are at. More than likely, they were buried. It's possible, but it's not probable. A memorial atop Lover's Leap has since been placed to honor the memory of the boys and the search crews. With today's technology, Henderson believes a new search could be conducted, but the chances of that happening are non-existent. He's very certain the boys are buried beneath the southbound lane of Route 79, just before Lover's Leap tourists sign. They got forensics and all that stuff. They could probably get it solved. Will they ever? You think they're going to close down that highway to build on a speculation? No. You're going to have to have proof beyond a shadow of a doubt, Henderson said. That would be quite interesting if you can go down and dig in that hole. My opinion is you're going to find Billy and Joey. Where you're going to find Craig, I don't know. I think something bad happened to him. Dee Dee is hopeful one day her brother's remains will be found. She believes it will be out of circumstance they'll be discovered. I don't know if I'll be alive, but I'm sure somebody's going to find them someday. It's just a matter of time. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right 
if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance from behind Time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat Thousand people in the street singing songs and they carry inside. Mostly saying hooray for our side. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going Your life it will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line, the man come and take you away We better stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going now Stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going